Hi, ladies. Thank you for being leaders in your Bible study groups. Get your green highlighter and green pen so that you can underline some important statements and make notes to help you lead ladies in a meaningful discussion of God's Word. Let's delight in studying and sharing the precious words of the Lord to us. This is the Leader's Guide for Ezekiel, that you may know the Lord, Unit 6, Lessons 3 and 4, starting on page 128. Our groups will have been discussing uh, Lesson 1 and 2 uh, at the same uh, session uh, for an extended discussion group time, so I am focusing on um, not rushing through this, but moving through but all groups might not be handling it that way. So lesson three, remembering the past. Ezekiel chapter 20, at the top of page 129, you were supposed to have read all the way through um, 44 verses of chapter 20 and watch for the character of the Lord as well as the behavior of the Israelites. And um, we're just opening up the discussion now to anyone what is your initial reaction to this national review? Did anything surprise you? And again, depending on when ladies did their homework, they may um, need to dust the cobwebs off or just encourage them, you know, like, just read what you wrote then, even if you don't quite remember it. <coughs> For me, the surprise was idolatry in Egypt. And then, um, and that always surprises me. And then there's a repetition that God would pour out his wrath, but he didn't. And that was repeated over and over again. So we see a cycle that until God acts and changes things, um, he's going to have to. Until God acts, <laughs> that's the way the people are going to behave. All right, the next section here in Ezekiel 20, 1 through 4. What was the date given? It was the seventh year of exile, Ezekiel's exile, fifth month, tenth day. The and who came to Ezekiel? The elders of Israel. And you're just opening these, reading these questions, opening it up for anybody to answer. What was those elders' request? It was for Ezekiel to inquire of the Lord. What was the purpose of this word of the Lord? To judge the elders of Israel. And let them know the abominations of their fathers. In the middle of the next italicized paragraph, kind of at the bottom, it says, This new date was at a point in time when King Zedekiah, on the throne in Jerusalem, made an alignment with Egypt against Babylon in hopes of deliverance from Nebuchadnezzar's attacks. We've already seen prophecy about this particular event. And we saw it um, when the vine, Zedekiah, the lowly vine, was turning its branches towards Egypt for help. In the highlighting exercise, um, perhaps, and you can be the leader and make the decision of what you want to do about this, but it, it might be a good idea to go over what they highlighted as related to the actions of the Lord. So I'm going to give you those. And if you do that, you could have one person per paragraph just share what they highlighted 
that was the action of the Lord. So on page 129, starting with verse 5, he said, I chose Israel, raised my hand in an oath, made myself known to them. I raised my hand in an oath. I raised my hand in an oath to bring them out of the land of Egypt to the land that I searched out for them. And I said to them, so we've got a big statement from the Lord there. And then at the top of page 130, same paragraph, but I acted for my name's sake. And I had made myself known to them. In the next paragraph, starting with verse 10, I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments. I gave them my Sabbaths that they might know I am the Lord who sanctifies them. At verse 14, I have, but I acted for my name's sake. Verse 15, so I raised my hand in an oath to them in the wilderness. And verse 17, nevertheless, my eye spared them from destruction. I did not make an end of them in the wilderness. Next paragraph, verse 18, I said to their children, they could read what he said. Next paragraph, um, verse 22, I withdrew my hand and acted for my name's sake. Verse 23, I also raised my hand and oath to those in the wilderness that I would scatter them. And the next paragraph, starting with verse 25, Therefore I also gave them up to statutes that were not good and judgments by which they could not live. I pronounced them unclean because of their ritual gifts um, that I might make them desolate. And you could say that they might know that I'm the Lord, but I had circled that um, in my purpose color. Next paragraph, verse 28. When I brought them into the land concerning that which I had raised my hand in an oath to give them. So he did bring them into the land. I realize highlighting is subjective. Sometimes it is very specific and particular and clear. These um, could uh, merge a little bit, but that will get the point across. And where we're headed in the middle of page 131 is the summary. So how would you summarize the Lord's actions toward the nation of Israel? Anybody can answer this and add two answers which they should do. He's relational. <coughs> Patient, authoritative. He gives clear instructions, consequences, and he's generous. How would you summarize the people's reaction to the Lord? <laughs> Horrific, terrible, childish, selfish, wicked, prideful, uh, stupid. You, they can say just about anything that's not too, not too good there. Are there, okay, now the next question will open up for discussion. Are there any parallels to these observations in your own life? These observations about the Lord's actions and um, people's reactions. I said, um, <laughs> I don't want to be like the Israelites. We always do um, have that comparison, and that's a good warning for us. But I can be like them and not know what's best for me. But God is always everything listed here. He is so good. The Lord gave the history of the nation of Israel because he knew there were parallels in the lives of the Israelites at the time of the exile. So what sins are the people confronted with in Ezekiel 20? I said, defiling themselves the way their ancestors did, whoring after detestable things, offering gifts 
and their children to idols. Um, what actions does the Lord declare that he will take in Ezekiel 20, 33 through 44? There are a lot here, and some people are um, really good at the list, or they've made a copy of the verses. We do want it to be covered because it's all so good. I have um, recorded it briefly. So it says, he'll be king over them. For verse 34, he'll bring them out from the peoples and gather them from countries where they were scattered. Verse 35, bring them into the wilderness of... That's... uh, Bring them into the wilderness and enter judgment face to face with them. So that's their exile. Make them pass under the rod. Bring them into a bond of covenant. God... You know what, in that verse 45, when I said that was exile, I'm not sure about that. That doesn't make sense. So, um, skip what I said about verse 35 and the exile. So, back to, um, God will purge out the rebels, bring them out of the land where they're sojourning, but they will not enter Israel. Then, in verse 40 through 44, it says, On God's holy mountain... Israel will serve the Lord, and he will accept them. He will bring them out from the peoples and countries and manifest his holiness. He will deal with Israel for his name's sake. Okay, going to the top of page 132. I was just reviewing some of what I wrote there. Leaders, I think you should just state what's at the top of page 132. The Lord made his purposes completely clear. He said, you will know that I am the Lord, and he would manifest his holiness before them. Israel would loathe themselves for their evils, and they would know that he is the Lord. And then you'll ask, um, what's the Hebrew word for know? It's yada, or yada. And the Hebrew definition is pretty thorough and extensive. To know, perceive, know by experience. Recognize, admit, acknowledge, confess. It's not a surface acquaintance knowledge. It's um, more than that. And if you know the Lord, you certainly have a reason to praise Him. Now we'll go to lesson four, sounding the alarm. Ask for a volunteer to just read the passage in the bottom of page 132. And she'll read it with her blanks filled in. And it may vary depending on what translation she used. Say to the forest of the Negev, which is the south, and uh, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will kindle a fire in you. It shall devour every green tree and every dry tree in you. Oh, (laughs) I couldn't even tell there were two sets of verses here. Okay, so you could ask one person to read the first one and a second person to read the second one. Say to the land of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you. I will draw my sword out of its sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you. So that's the interpretation, the explanation of the first one. Isn't it? Yes. Um, 
I'm looking at that and I'm questioning what I just said again. So I'm so sorry. Um, the south is one direction in the whole land of Israel. Well, I am not looking at these in context again. And um, it's definitely about judgment. I will be looking into this a little bit more. I have no notes. I did not pause and, and consider the question that I'm thinking about right now. So I'm going to go on to the top of page 133. The key word in this chapter is sword. It's a weapon of judgment and justice. Describe the specific details given about the sword from these verses. The sword is sharpened, polished for slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. It will be grasped in hand and given into the hand of the slayer. Ask them, who is it that's holding this sword for slaughter? If you pause a moment, hopefully they'll say Nebuchadnezzar, which is in the middle of the next paragraph. What specific details about Nebuchadnezzar's attack are described in Ezekiel 21? The main part of your answer is coming from verse 22, <clears throat> even though the whole scenario is being described in this passage. Nebuchadnezzar is going to use divination. Um, he will set up battering rams, open his mouth with murder, he will ram against the gates. There will be a siege mound and towers. He's going to use divination to make his decision of which city to go and attack. So that's what this whole little passage is about and what um, MacArthur's box is also explaining. Um, and then I explained it in my italics under the box. Was Nebuchadnezzar guided by the acts of divination or the hand of the Lord? What are your thoughts? So this is just pausing and, and pondering this situation for a minute. I said God is sovereign over all. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, thought he was using divination, but God's, and I said God's gravity, because this was a shaking arrow and a quivering liver, and how can that even happen? Well, it's it really is gravity, and God made that. So, um, I gave God the credit. Um, all right, what do you learn regarding divination from the following verses? Leaders, just summarize. <laughs> Israel knew. They were not supposed to do it. At the top of page 134, there's a paragraph with some comments that it may be good for you to read. Um, consulting something or someone other than the Lord has been a common practice from the earliest days of mankind, and the Lord is not helpless against this. He is completely able to control the outcome of such divinations to suit his sovereign will. God is, God is in control. Hallelujah. We believers are to seek the Lord and his will through his word. So we have some verses about his word, which is called the sword of the Lord. In Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, Ezekiel dramatically describes the coming slaughter of the Israelites through the sword of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Ezekiel himself is commanded to react dramatically to the prophecy. So have someone read this uh, sentence with the blanks filled in. Sigh, therefore, son of man, with the breaking heart, and with uh, sigh with bitterness before their eyes. Sigh is the Hebrew word anak. It, it means sigh, groan in pain, show grief, gasp. Breaking is shabrone, uh, to rupture, to have a pang, a ruin, a destruction, a shattering, a crushing. So we can see how extreme this is. And then bitterness is what you think it is. Bitterness, grief. Uh, Mary Ruth. That's a hard one to say. And then we had something where you were supposed to use your imagination. Describe how this 30-something-year-old priest prophet might have carried out the command given to him by the Lord. I just picture somebody opening his mouth wide and, ah, just kind of like, arg, um, or holding his heart, crying. Um, hands out. I drew a little picture. Thought about it. Um, maybe the like something, and this is really sad, but the someone with the physical expression of the pain of having a heart attack. So that's just a moment to get our heads around uh, real grief and expressing the grief that. Ezekiel is demonstrating the grief that God has about this judgment on his people. And why is it? <laughs> That's the next question. What was Ezekiel to anticipate the reaction of the people to be when they saw him grieving? They'll say, why do you groan like that? And what response was Ezekiel to give them? The Hebrew word kol is, um, it means all whole or every. So I have the version that says every heart will melt, every hand be feeble, every spirit will faint, every knee be as weak as water. This is the reaction that the people will have to the news that is coming. What else is Ezekiel supposed to do to express his grief visibly in verses four, uh, 12 and 14? cry out and wail and strike his thigh, clap his hands and let the sword come down two times and three times. Okay, I'm not, I don't know what that, like, did he have a sword in his hand? We know he had to do a lot of strange things. Maybe he did. Um, leaders, now you're going to be making a transition to the next page. So just state what happened with Jeremiah. And at the bottom the judgment of the Lord would cause the people to repent, to know the Lord as their God, and to have a personal relationship with Him. This is setting us up for the next page, top of page 136. According to James 4, 7-10, through 10, what are we to do when we have fallen out of fellowship with the Lord? So, we have details from this verse. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Yes, we need to know that. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. There's consequences here. These are That's a good thing, two good things. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Lament and mourn and weep over the things that you need to be cleaned up from. Let your laughter and joy turn to mourning and gloom over 
our sin and what we need to repent of. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift us up. There's good news. And then we have, we're going to look at the hope as this chapter comes to a close. I asked you to fill in the blanks again in Ezekiel 21, 27. Ask someone to read it. It shall be no longer until he comes, whose right it is, and I will give it to him. Um, What was being taken away from whom, and what will be given to whom? Well, Ezekiel is prophesying. The turban and the crown will be removed from the profane, wicked prince. And then judgment, authority, ruler of the kingship, the throne, will be given to the one to whom it belongs. And we know that's Jesus. You are to look at Isaiah 9, 6, and what is being given to whom? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A son is given to us. So that's one part of our answer. And then it also says, the government will be upon his shoulder. So the government, the throne, is given to the child, the son, Jesus. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. He is Prince of Peace, not a profane, wicked prince. And it was really neat to see that comparison there. And then uh, we just closed with a review of chapter 1 and the impact of the word on you. So uh, what I said was everything is heightened and dramatic and extreme and ominous. Times will be desperate. But there will be a change and there is hope. And what's that impact on me? My hope is in God's plans in the darkest, most painful times. I want to know the Lord and his ways and stick close to him and not bring pain on myself because of my sin. Um, (laughs) This has been my attitude. Even as a little girl, it's like, I do not want to do the wrong thing and get in trouble. So I'm thankful that the Lord has wired me that way. I don't want to mess up and get in trouble and cause problems. Uh, it's so much happier to live in and walk in God's righteousness and walk in his blessings, right? So I pray for his grace and wisdom and his um, guiding to keep me on the narrow path and not do something stupid. All right. Thank you again for your leadership. That's all.